Good evening. My name is Michelle and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin branch school. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. This Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that, that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporal being that is having the shape and form of a man but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. 
Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern and a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find to know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, both modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be Ezekiel, the 36th chapter starting at verse 16, reading to, through to the end. If we could please have Dr. Gail Josephson from our Green Bay branch read that for us. And if we could start out class tonight with a prayer by Dr. Kobe Brown from Delaware. Thank you. Good evening class, can everybody hear me? Yeah, I can. Yes, yes. Let us bow our hearts and minds and let's take a deep breath. And with that inhale, let's take on focus and concentration. And with the exhale, let's eliminate the trials and tribulations of the day. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bind our feet and force us to be still and behold your salvation. We ask that you give us that Holy Spirit. Let us envelop us. 
So when the time comes, we can hear those glorious words by Yahshua the Messiah, who says, Father, this is my bride. She is without fault through me. And let us think about that as we live our daily lives and never, lo never losing focus on that which is important. Let the class say, hallelujah. 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 Um, up, um, I'm going to read Ezekiel 36, starting at 16. I'm going to be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association. Ezekiel 36, 16. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a woman in her separation. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through their through the countries. According to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. And when they entered onto the nations, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of Yahweh and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus say, saith Yahweh, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen, whither you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the nation shall know that I am Yahweh, saith Yah Yahweh, when I shall sanctify the new before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you on into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your Elohim. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses, and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the nations. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith Yahweh, be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel." 
Thus saith Yahweh, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the wastes shall be builded. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the nations that were left round about you shall know that I, Yahweh, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken it and I will do it. Thus saith Yahweh, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock, as the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. Thank you, Gail, and thank you, Kobe. Our scripture readers this evening will please be Dr. Kelly Gagno of the Madison class, and myself, Dr. Michelle Enzenroth, also from Madison. I'd like to welcome everyone coming out this evening. We do have a returning visitor. Welcome, Tatiana. A quick reminder, we are streaming live to YouTube this evening. And with that, we will have class. We'll have a three-speaker format with each speaker having approximately 35 minutes. And for our first speaker, we'd like to please call on Dr. Heather Adams from the Green Bay class. Okay, good evening. Um, we'll, we'll see um, how long this lasts. I have the dogs chewing on shoe bones and sleeping right now. So <laughs> sometimes my house gets loud. Um, <clears throat> so, um, oh goodness. Um, um, I guess the... Uh, um, um, okay, so I want to get the chart where it shows um, the old covenant and the new covenant, like where it shows baptism. Okay, so I think that this has been gotten into before. So you have the Old Testament is fulfilled and it's uh, brought to an end when the New Testament is written in your heart and mind. And so that happened um, after Yahshua was crucified on the cross and after Pentecost came and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on men. So um, where it says that the Old Testament is fulfilled, it's nailed to the cross. It ended with um, Yahshua being crucified. Now, so some of these old cardinal ordinances, carnal ordinances were what they had to do physically, outwardly. And um, one of them was baptism. And there's a picture of baptism right there. And um, we can actually, you know what? Do you want to pick it up for me where um, John is baptizing and Yahshua comes and he says um, something about like, I need to be baptized. To be soul. Yeah. Where is that? Matthew 3. Matthew 3 something here. <clears throat> um, 13. 13. Matthew 3 and 13. 
Then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Okay. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I'm finding it. Um, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. 15. And Yahshua answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Okay, so um, Yahshua, when he was um, walking on the earth plane, his job was to fulfill everything. So bring everything to an end. So John was baptizing and, um, and, and John, you know, <laughs> knows this is Yahshua. Yahshua is free of sin and he should be baptizing John, not John baptizing Yahshua. And um, you can see in 15, I have a red letter edition Bible. So that's what Yahshua said. Um, For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So he's got to fulfill this baptism. Now, the reason I say this is because they're being baptized with water here, like real physical water. Now, in the scripture reading just now, it talked about... Um, Okay, I will take you. For, oh, you want? I'll let you read it. The scripture reading, thirty-six and twenty-four. Can you start there, please? Twenty-four. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Okay, and I'm just going to clarify that. So Yahshua is going to take you from among the heathen. The heathen are those people that know not Yahweh. They don't know Yahshua. Okay, um, and gather you out of all countries, like. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. If you're one of Yahshua's, he's going to have the gospel be preached unto you. Okay, let's keep going. 25 is where I want to get down to. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Okay, so now this is not physical water that's being talked about here. Um, like the baptism was physical water. This is... Yahshua is going to clean you up from the inside, okay? If we're in the spiritual kingdom, we're in the New Testament now. So everything's spiritual. So there's still um, a baptism, but it's a spiritual baptism. It's a, a baptism is a washing, a washing away of, of sins, right? Um, and, and, and to make you, you know, clean, right? Well, we're still... There is a, a spiritual baptism, okay? Yahshua is going to wash your, um, your, your filthiness away as far as like greed or hate or like attributes. You know, people have good attributes or they have bad attributes, you know, love um, versus hate, you know? So you want the good attributes to, to be just who you are. That's in your heart, okay? So, so let's let's keep reading there 26 26 a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you okay and so I he's not i'm sorry Karen. he's not going to actually it's not talking about physical heart like he's going to take your physical old heart and give you a physical new heart this is we're talking spiritually here a new heart will i give you he's 
wants the stony heart taken away and give you a heart of of flesh. Okay, is how how can I explain it? Um, you guys don't by chance have that chart of the heart with the chipping away, do you? I unfortunately brain chart. don't have a picture. The brain chart? I don't have a picture of that. Okay. Well, anyways, there's all these attributes on it and um it it tells you all of these negative attributes and then it tells you all these positive attributes you know um and and so that's what i always think of when i read this because it's showing like an old stony heart and then a new heart made of flesh and like um you could see while well, she's zooming in here um of a heart of what would be a heart of flesh it, it's basically yashua's um uh Go to the cloud where it says Yahshua's attributes there on the Moses chart. Go to the Moses chart where it says Yahweh's um, attributes there in the cloud. So like wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, justice, beauty, power, foundation, strength. Like those are the attributes you want to embody. Like those, and, and it's not that you have any control of it, but Yahshua is going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you knowledge. He's going to give you love and he's going to give you know and take away um those negative um like being a liar or you know all those negative attributes okay so we just said a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you so we know that there's a negative spirit and a positive spirit if you want to say it that way Okay, we don't want to have a satanic spirit within us. We want to have the Yahshua spirit within us. Um, and we know that there was satanic spirits in bodies because there's the story of the Legion where there, uh, the, the, why don't you just pick that up? Um, do you, does anybody know that verse? I forget what it is. Or there was a Legion within him or something. And it's something to do with them running off of pillar mountain uh, mark five i believe mark five down in verse nine is where it says that my name is legion yeah well and if you Pick up verse two. Can you read five and two? Mark five and two. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Okay. And right there, it's saying unclean spirit. Okay. Um, yeah. And then if you jump down to five, that would be good. Five. And always, night and day, he was in the mountain and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Right. And then... Um, Let's see. Okay. And then skip down to nine. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Yeah. So he has many, many unclean spirits in him. I just wanted to pick it up. So you don't think I'm like pulling this stuff out of, out of nowhere here. Um, okay. So anyways, let's go back to, um, uh, so we were at 26. A new heart will I also I give you back in Ezekiel 36, 26. Yep. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. 
And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Right. So, because um, once the Ashua spirit is in you, it, it, you're going to, there's going to be a change within you. People are going to see the change from the outside. They're going to notice that there's a change in you. And um, things that you did before, you might not do anymore. Because if it doesn't feel right inside you, that's that spirit of Yahweh telling you not to do it, you know? So you got to listen to that. And so like back then, there was physical sacrifices. You'd have to come and put something on the altar when you sinned. Well, now there's spiritual sacrifices. You might have to quit doing something that you used to do and thinking it was okay because now it doesn't sit right with you anymore. The sacrifice is, you know, giving up something, you know? So um, anyways, I'm going to, I think, just stop with that. Um, I'm not sure what else. That's basically what Yasha has given me to share with you. So um, thank you for the time. And I hope I uh, helped you put a little piece in your puzzle that you're making. Um, and so you can learn more of Yashua and his purpose and, and plan. And um, with that, uh, have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. For our second speaker, we would like to call on Dr. Steve Daniel, the Dean of the Madison, Wisconsin branch. Hello, everybody. I'll even let you see me if you really want. For those who aren't on YouTube. Um, I, uh, I, I enjoyed, I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. I enjoyed what Heather had to say. Um, I always enjoy Heather. <laughs> Keep it simple. And uh, the, this scripture reading that I had called, uh, you know, it's about the changing of the covenants. Uh, you know, we read Jeremiah 31, 31, and we'll read this one. And they're both talking about how the children of Israel and Judah have corrupted themselves after coming out of uh, the wilderness of Sinai. Show me the Moses chart, please. After coming out of the wilderness of Sinai and uh, have gone away from what the teaching was and uh, began, uh, especially the children of Israel, began uh, worshiping other deities and so on and so forth. And uh, it lamented Yahweh and he had to uh, bring in a new covenant. And she talked about how the covenant had to be fulfilled. Yahshua was, John the Baptist was baptizing because under the old covenant, they, they baptized. You were a confessed sinner. John's baptism was uh, of repentance, and you came and repented to him that you were a sinner, and he was burying them in the water. It was a, an immersion or a burial that you're dead. You're you're admitting that you're you're dead. You're not clean. But Yahshua came, and he had to do it and fulfilled it because uh, uh, get for me. Uh, Galatians, the fourth chapter, made of a woman. Uh, that where that is. Galatians four, four. Thank you. Galatians four and four, please. Cal, or who's my other reader? Callie. 
Hallie and Michelle. Okay. It's a race. Galatians 4 and 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, Yahweh said... The fullness said, of the time was come, and I kind of was looking this up recently. The fullness of time, or it's the fulfillment of time. It's the same thing. When, when the fulfillment of time, Yahshua, when he took on a physical body, or Yahweh Elohim came in a physical body down through the... Uh, was born through Mary and so on, uh, that was the fullness of time, him coming in to pay the price to set the thing straight. He is as a husband in this effect. He was made of a woman made under the law. Read that for me. But when the fullness of the time was come, Yahweh sent forth his son, made of a woman made under the law. It's pretty simple, made of a woman made under the law. Uh, Christianity and the world is just, they, they can read that a thousand times and never really catch it, that he, he came down in a body made of a woman, made under the law. Does it say anything after that? To redeem them that were under the law. To redeem. The word redeem is like to buy them back. You redeem a coup, you re get money back. He's come down to pay the price to redeem you. He made a covenant with the children of Israel, and none of them could keep it. So being a good husband, he comes down, made of a woman, made under the law. And he buys them back, or he redeems them. He puts an end to the covenant that they could not keep. No, not one of them. Okay? It's, it's you know, I, you've been coming so long. I take this for granted until I have a conversation with somebody that I know is not in class and I try to explain a simple point and you realize they're just, they can't even comprehend any of it. And uh, like, like uh, my neighbor, I was just having a light conversation about the Godhead and she just says, you know, it's well, who, who Jesus was God's son. And I go, well, that makes means there's two gods, right? Then, because then there's God and then there's Jesus. There, there's only one God, it says. And she just kind of, they never process anything. They never think of anything. And I, and I tried to just as simply as could be, I didn't want to get heavy with her. She's my neighbor. I've known her a long time. I just said, well, I'm a father. I'm also a husband and I'm also a son. But when I'm in a, and when I'm a father, I don't walk up to my mother or my father and start talking to them like I'm their father. I'm in a sonship degree. And I have a different hat I wear, so to speak. And I, I said, it's just that simple. You know, she goes, oh, that's nice, you know. And I didn't go on because I know she doesn't want to hear anymore. But um, nobody in the churches don't know these things. They don't know anything. That's why if you were in Green Bay's class last night, you know, they're talking about it, voting on you know, is it a duality? Is it a trinity? Is it a unity? It came up with it's a, this trinitarian concept where the father is God and the son is God, but they're not the same. And it's all messed up. And then it's a supernatural mystery that you can't understand and so on and so forth. And they can't explain anything on the floor. The last night, the, the gentleman explained it just using the principle of water. You know, it's, it's ice, it's gas, it's liquid, it's solid. 
And, and these are the things that over time we've come to understand. We teach you what the Bible says, what does saith Yahweh, what his purpose is. And it's so important to know why he did what he did. Why, uh, you know, why he wants to be a savior. I mean, you have a soul. Everybody's heard of these things. You have a soul. Jesus died and he's saving our soul. But how is that a work? I mean, those were just words to me. I was a Catholic, you know, you, you know, he's saving you. Well, I didn't even know what I was being saved from. I figured, well, he could save me from my older brother who's always trying to beat me up, but that would be nice. You know, I didn't know what he was saving me from. I didn't have a clue, you know, and, uh, and a lot of it, if you just think about it, Bibles weren't printed <laughs> until like 400 years or so ago. So before that, you had to rely on somebody who had access to these scriptures and this, these texts. And that's, you know, we grew up in the Catholic tradition and you weren't encouraged to read anything. If you go back a thousand years when the Catholics were really in charge, nobody read it. They, you had to believe what they said. And if you didn't, you were probably burned at a stake somewhere. You were a heretic and so on. I mean, it was... Uh, there wasn't a lot of options for people. And uh, I mean, just, you, you gotta realize how far this thing has come from that time when people didn't own land, only there was, there was only certain people owned land and the rest of us were servants and so on. And, and, and to get to the point where we are now and we have access to information and we're exposing these, the ignorances through the vision of Dr. Kinley uh, in 1931, he, you know, wrote a textbook and sent it out to all the religious leaders, uh, denouncing the ways that they worship things and so on. And uh, things started changing right after that textbook went out. A few years after he sent it out in, I think it was 60 or something, 61 or early 60s, uh, the Catholic Church had the second ecumenical council. I think it was in 63 where you know, the Pope stopped wearing this mitre. He, he used to be carried around on a chair with staves and things like that. All of that was talked about. It's, it's uh, uh, in the scriptures how Satan wants to rise above the sea of people and be carried. Well, that's what the Pope was doing. And it exposed some of the things that the traditions of the Catholic Church. I'm saying all this because we've come a long way with our understanding and the ability to extract things, and, and uh, this is the end of an age. I mean, this age began, that's another thing that people don't understand is, the, uh, can I have the ages and dispensations chart, please? That uh, one of our aims is to rightly divide the ages and dispensation, and I couldn't have told you anything about this, but you come to find out that there was a creative age at the top, Cali. It's his first age, second age, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. The first is during the creation, the angelic was created. Those were created creatures, angels, and the physical creation was created. Okay. And then it says on the little red letters, and it's going into the physical, the Garden of Eden. So once it was created, then the man was put in there, and he was made of the dust of the earth. And we start with Adam and Eve and that situation. And that, that first age is Adam and Eve and Noah are in that same age. Started with the fall of Adam. And then every thought and imagination was evil only continually. 
with uh, Noah and Yahweh, there was a flood. And that age, that second age is called the anti-Diluvian age. It means pre-flood Diluvian. It was before the flood and the next age is the post-Diluvian, after the flood. So it's a main dividing line, this flood. Okay, what happened before and what happened after? Yahweh had a set of rules under one covenant or one agreement. There was a law, don't take of the fruit, you know. And then Noah preached to get in the ark and uh, it's going to rain. And those that got in were saved and those that didn't weren't. And this Melchizedek priesthood and so on. It's dividing the ages and dispensations. In the third age, we know about Moses and the Ten Commandments, but before Moses, there was Melchizedek, a priest, a high priestess uh, ordained by Yahweh, and Abraham paid tithes to him. So Abraham, he's the father of all these nations, and Melchizedek had to be somebody special. So that uh, if you lift up the chart a little bit, so I can see the bottom of the promise, a little higher, no, at the bottom of it, there it is. Uh... What is it 490 years was the, the Melchizedek, and then the rest of it goes to the, the Old Testament or with Moses. So there's a timeline with these. And each one of these, first age, second age, and the third age, and so on, is about 2,000 years, 2,000 years. And we're in another one that started with the uh, death of Yahshua, death, burial, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See how she's pointing to the cross that says, and, and then death burial resurrection so the next age started the one we're in started when the apostles became or the disciples became apostles and the holy spirit was poured out and we're in that one so that two thousand years from then it should be ending well we're in 2020 it's 2020 and uh somewhere around there so the first one was 1656 the first one that's how 1656 years Second one was 2,377, and we're in another one now that's already 2020, give or take. Uh, I think there's a six, eight-year error or something like that, four-year error. So anyhow, knowing where we are and what's going on and so on, and the ability to read this book, which we didn't have, our you know predecessors hundreds of years ago could have never read this thing. And we're in a situation where a man came down in 1931 and said he had a vision directly from Yahweh. And he said, make me prove it to your satisfaction. And he broke things down to, uh, for us so that we could understand what this book was saying. And uh, as Heather was talking about, it's, it's types, shadows, allegories, examples. Uh, get for me, uh, what is it, uh, uh, you worship... Uh, uh, um, Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him. 24, 23, yeah, I want 22, I think, just before the first 23. John 22. You 4, no. 22. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. John 4, 22. You worship, you know not what? Stop. He's telling people, this is red letters, this is Yahshua. You worship, you know not what. You don't even know what you're worshiping. And now he's going to explain why, because Yahweh's spirit, but read. You worship, you know not what, for we worship, for we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Mm -hmm. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit 
and in truth. And she reads that like, like, oh, that's just common knowledge, but it's not common knowledge. The true worshipers are going to worship the creator in spirit, not with their hands, not with anything, in spirit and in truth. Now, if you don't know what spirit and truth are, you got a problem. So now you have to get some knowledge. You have to learn some things. And that's where this school came in. And, and this is where we take the time to show you what Yahweh is spirit. And, and Heather had you show the top of Mount Sinai. Can we go back to the Moses chart? Because this depicts Yahweh as a cloud. Yahweh in the scriptures uses a cloud to depict himself. It says in the scriptures, Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. So, and so if you read what Dr. Kinley had him write up here, he says, Yahweh is spirit, like we just read. And he's manifesting within the cloud, symbolizing eternity. It's not what eternity is, it's symbolizing. You can't, you don't have anything to just to show spirit. You have to give an example. And I'll give you one right now. If if you look at mathematics and you I say, draw me a two. You walk up to a whiteboard and you'll draw the letter two or you'll write TWO or, or whatever you do. Either way, anything you put up on that board is a symbol of what two really is. That's why when they teach you what two is, they take one bottle plus one bottle equals two bottles. Okay, so we're not talking about bottles, are we? But we use the bottles to get you to see one plus one equals two. And then we go apples and so on. So then when I ask you to go upstairs and get me two cookies, you don't come back with just one. I need two. See, so, so that's a principle. That's an invisible thing. So these attributes like wisdom, wisdom has to be demonstrated. When you see Solomon and the, the baby story, that's a big story about Solomon's great wisdom. Uh, two people said that that was their baby and one of the babies was dead and, and Solomon's listening to the stories of both sides and he says, I got an idea. Let's cut the baby in half and give it to either each one of you a half. And the true mother, whose baby it was, said, no, 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 let her have it. And the other one said, well, that's well-spoken. Well, then Solomon realized which one was which, and he gave the baby to the mother. So he used wisdom. He demonstrated wisdom, you know, and then there's knowledge and love. You demonstrate love with a child, you know, just even in that story of his wisdom, he had great love of the truth, see? And they always, you know, take some love with the wisdom, you know, to and some power and justice to put it together right to make it pure. And Yahweh is the only one that knows the real recipe of how to use wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, beauty, power, strength, all of these things. He's the only one able. Mankind has these, I have some wisdom, I have some law, I have strength, I have all these things, but we corrupted. That's why we need a savior. There's no, you know, there's nothing pure about it. Nobody has perfect wisdom in this world. Nobody has perfect power. Power corrupts, we always say. I mean, we had a president who didn't want, he lost an election and didn't want to give it up. I mean, the power corrupted the man, you know, as far as I could see, you know, so 
people have these attributes, but only Yahweh, Yahweh, El, through Yahweh Elohim has the proper uh, apothecary or order to these things that is in the proper order. And this is why he's, you, you come in his likeness and image, but he has to put his spirit within you to cause you to have these things in the proper attitude, in the proper condition, in the proper way. And this is what we were going about. Boy, I got in here far on this thing and I really didn't plan on going down here. But I mean, I'm just trying to make this point about these attributes that you have them, but they have to be put in a proper order to make, you know, you just like being a chef or a baker, they, you have to, you got all those ingredients in your cupboard. That doesn't still make you a good batch of cookies or cake. You have to know the proper order to put it together and then come out with a delicious cake, cookie, whatever, and so on. So I want to go back to this. I've said enough on that topic, and I want to go back to this uh, uh, and come back to some simplicity here with the scripture reading. So uh, can, uh, Callie, can you read at 16 and 1 or Michelle, whoever? 16. 36 and 16. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their own doings. Mm -hmm. Their way was before me. Can we stop for a second? I think it's interesting. uh, Last night, uh, Michael uh, was on the floor and he was talking about how sometimes in here it's talking about the house of Israel, and then sometimes it's talking about the house of Judah in different spots. And for the longest time, I didn't know the difference. I, you know, I thought it was just you know, a different way of saying the same people. But they were divided. Uh, there were 12 tribes. If you around this, uh, this chart doesn't have it, the Moses chart, but there were 12 tribes and 12, there were these four banners and 12 tribes. Oh, there they are. They are saved there. She's zooming in on him. Uh, at the very top, it says Manasseh, and to the left is Ephraim, and then Benjamin, I think it is. Uh, and then you come down, and, and Simon, Reuben, Gad, Judah. So there's 12 tribes of Israel. And of the 12 tribes, one of them is Judah, and that's the kingship tribe. And uh, I think Benjamin's the one that went with Judah. Is that correct, anybody? Right. Yeah, so Benjamin and Judah, the kingship tribe, stayed truer to Yahweh than Israel. So the tribe, the 10 tribes of Israel uh, went off. And it kind of reminds me of how when they spied out Canaan's land, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. For those of you who've been around a while, when they came out of Egypt, they wanted to go see what their inheritance up in Canaan's land. So they went up into Canaan land and they were sent 12 spies, one from each tribe. And 10 of them came back with what they call a bad report. They said, there's giants up there. We can't take them. And Yahweh had just destroyed Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time, and brought them into this land. And they come back and say, we can't take them. And two of the tribes, two of them said, hey, we can take them. Yahweh's with us. We can do it. So it's a 10 and 2 thing again. So they had 10 and 2 back then. We got a 10 and 2 thing. Israel represents the 10. Judah or, or in Jerusalem or Judah represents the two. And I just 
just wanted to throw that in there for FYI stuff. So when she's reading some talking about the house of Israel, it's those 10 that had dwelt in their own land defiled. So can you pick up at 17 again? Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. So, so under the law, uh, there were sacrifices for a lot of things. But when a woman was in her menstrual cycle, she was considered unclean and she couldn't produce offspring. So she had to be removed. She was removed, she, there were certain sacrifices, and she would remove herself from the camp and go outside, you know, where all the women hanged out, whatever it was, I don't know. But all I know is she was unclean, there was, that's what they're talking about, okay? An unclean woman removed. So they call that defiled. And, and what really is defiled is not that she's having her period, it's that she can't produce offspring. That's what files because it's all about be fruitful and multiply so read in 18 there wherefore i poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they have polluted You're it still talking about those children of israel they had idols they polluted the land they went to whoring with other gods read and i scattered them among the heathen and they were dispersed through the countries, according to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. Okay. When they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. So they went up into Canaan's land. And when they went up into Canaan's land, the children of Israel, they were told to destroy all, the, all of the tribes up there. That was where Abraham was from. And when, when Yahweh sent the children of Israel down into Egypt, it was because of a great famine. And when they left, everybody took over the spots that they had. So there's all these tribes up there that took over the land. When they went back up, Yahweh said, destroy them. And people have a hard time handling, you know, why is Yahweh so mean under the Old Testament? The principle is that these people are corrupt. They have other gods. And they're corrupted. And, and Yahweh had separated a nation and made a covenant with them. And he told them he'd bring them back to their land. So they have to be destroyed because if you know you've ever if you ever worked at a place and, and everything was great, and then one guy leaves and they get a new guy, and that guy complains all day long about how much he doesn't make and how he does all your work and blah 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 blah. And and you know, suddenly. Everything is corrupt and it's not a job you like anymore. Well, it's the same thing with you're trying to do Yahweh's bidding and you're surrounded by people who are, are worshiping other gods. And that Yahweh said, destroy them, utterly destroy them, spare them not. You know, and it's, it's just a cleansing of, the, of the, the, there is no other God besides Yahweh. These people are worshiping false deities. Okay, and I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, where uh, are you at 20 there? Is that where you were? Yep. Read 20 again. And when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. So, by going up in there and not destroying them, they're hanging among them and they learned their ways and they profaned Yahweh's name. He didn't make a covenant with them. Read. They profaned my holy name. 
when they said to them, these are the people of Yahweh and are gone forth out of his land. Mm -hmm. So but they I, made a covenant with the people that they shouldn't have been making. The people, children of Israel were, were intermarrying up in there and all kinds of things they were not supposed to do. Read 21. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the mm -hmm. house of Israel had a profaned among the heathen whether so, so stop there and i said you have to know the purpose you need to know the purpose of yahweh and i tried to talk about that a little bit and the purpose of yahweh is that yahweh is salvation remember i was talking about those attributes and you have them but you're not in a proper order and eventually it's going to take yahshua in you and that is yahweh is a savior yahweh saves through yahshua okay so he had pity for his name because his name is being carried through the mud by people who didn't even make a covenant with him. So for his name's sake, he had pity. Read. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. 22. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thou saith Yahweh Elohim, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned, among the heathen, whither you went. So what's I, he going to do? Read. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. There's a lot of profaning going on there, isn't there? About his name. And Yahweh is not happy with the children of Israel. Read. And the heathen shall know that I am Yahweh, saith Yahweh Elohim when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. I will be sanctified right by you before your eyes. Sanctified in you. In you. In you. He's talking about the new covenant, straightening out those things that make you up in his image, but they're not doing a job right. You're, there's no difference between the children of Israel and those heathen, except Yahweh's with them. Yahweh made a covenant with these people an agreement and Yahweh keeps his promises because he never forgets them and he comes in made of a woman made under the law at the end to bring an end to this covenant so that he can put his spirit in you to cause those attributes to be in the proper order people just think the whole they don't understand what spirit is they don't understand what attributes are they don't understand that that is what's being organized in you that's what's causing you. It is, when, when Yahshua is in you, he's like a hormone in your, you have a pituitary gland in your body. And the pituitary gland, when it secretes a hormone, a hormone is like a law. It causes you to grow. It causes you to go into puberty. It causes you to do all these things. It's, there's, there's hormones. And there just happens to be 10 of them. And they're located in the pituitary gland, which is in the base of the skull, which is the most holy place in the cloud. That gray and white matter that she's pointing to up in your head cavity, that's where it is, the pituitary gland. So this change that's gonna take place in spirit is, you can see it in your body, you can see it in this thing. They don't, you get a 10 minute sermon when you go to a church about something that has nothing to do with anything you really care about. And you go out and try to go muddle along in this life, not knowing what's it all about, Alfie. 
Okay, so continue there. She said uh, she's getting to 24. I am Yahweh, I'm reading 23. Then I shall be sanctified in you before your their eyes, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and will gather you out of all countries. He's got to separate you. He's taken you from among them. He never wanted you to mingle with them. That was the deal. Don't intermarry with them. Don't, and I'm going to gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. You yeah, know, we, we could go to uh, Revelation, the 21st chapter, Jerusalem above talks about uh, uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. I saw the new heaven. Read 21. Stay there. Uh, I need uh, Michelle to read 21. Starting where? 21 and 1. Okay, Revelation 21 and 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. He's describing Canaan's land was a Jerusalem above. They had to go up to Canaan's land. Well, John's talking about I saw a new heaven and a new earth read. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Uh-huh. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from Yahweh out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's Yahshua. He is the kingdom. He is the, the, the body. His We are, uh, God, we're getting into many parts, members, and we have, uh, what is it? Uh, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And Yahshua is the body. He is the house. And we have an estate in him. We have an inheritance in him. This whole thing is trying to get you off the physical because Yahweh is spirit. You think heaven's going to be a physical? He lives in spirit and he's going to make a, heaven, a, a, a physical place for us to hang in when spirit is 10 times better, 100 times better. Why would he want to, you know, people want to go up there and play golf with their family and so on and, and because they have no idea. They haven't been taught anything. They don't know anything about what he is. He's an image. And you gotta get you gotta get some knowledge here. So he saw the new heaven and new earth. So go back to the caliph with me in 24. He's gonna take you from among the heathen, read, and for gather I, you. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall mm. be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Oh, he's going to, it's, it's really, he's going to take the spirit that's in you. Uh, uh, he's going to take the spirit. When, when they left, uh, let, me, let me use this as an example here. Um, when the children of Israel were down in Egypt, and uh, before they got into Egypt, the reason why Egypt was so wealthy and everything was because they had to give them everything they had to buy food way back when they, Joseph interpreted their dream. So all their money went to Egypt to make Egypt a great nation. And it wasn't just the Jews. It was all kinds of nations. But because Joseph interpreted the dream, there was a little favor and they got their own land and so on and so forth. So so they were down there. But when Yahweh released them on the day of uh, 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 the Passover, he gave, said, gave them a Passover. He gave them his name. First, he gave Moses his name. And then Moses, they were 
went to Pharaoh and said, release my children. And Pharaoh says, I know not Yahweh and wouldn't do it. And he, his heart was hardened and so on. So this, this whole situation would, would go like this until the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn and the plague of darkness. And the children of Israel, they didn't die, but the firstborn of everybody else in, in Egypt died. And they, they left out and they spoiled, it says in the scriptures, meaning they borrowed from the Egyptian or spoiled the Egyptians, the gold that they gave them to come down there. It was their gold. It was just being held in place by Yahweh. So when they left, the Egyptians gave them tons of gold and anything they wanted and said, just leave, just go. So they left with a great substance and so on. Well, that we always talk about how if you're taking their earrings and their gold bracelets, they were superstitious people, polytheistic. They would have them in the shape of golden calves and, and different things like Ra, the sun god, or Pharaoh's face. They were in images. So they would for forge all their jewelry that way. So they took that same jewelry, that same gold, and melted it down. And out of that, out of that improper worship, so to speak, those figurines, they turned it into the tabernacle of vessels of glory. So they took the same substance, just like you have some intelligence, you have some knowledge, but it has to be put in the proper order and it has to go up through a purifying. And that's what this talks about. And this is this whole thing. He doesn't have to throw your stuff out. He just has to get in you and reconfigure it. And uh, I think I've gone far enough with this whole train of thought here. And I hope somebody got something out of it. If it wasn't too confusing, I'll make uh, Dennis figure it out. Anyhow, I'm just kidding. It was my pleasure to have something to say, and I hope you did enjoy it. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Thank you. I would like to acknowledge that we have a second returning visitor this evening. Welcome back, Jenny. And for our next speaker, we'll please call on Dr. Dennis Volpe, Dean of the Oceanside California Branch School. Good evening, everyone. I want to say that I enjoyed the testimonies of the two previous speakers. I thought that they uh, were right on the money. Uh, this teaching has a, oh, just a myriad of, of, of principles and things that we try to get across to you and convey to you that over time, uh, as you start to gather these, you start to see the big picture. This teaching truly was a divine vision that came straight from the Creator. It's not the product of a man's mind or a man's theories or concepts or ideas. This teaching, when you become convinced within yourself, if you uh, catch on to it, that this could not have come from some man's mind, that if it wasn't the Creator, that reveal these things, we would not have any way to know any of the things that are being said at these classes. And this is the same teaching that was perpetuated by all of the uh, writers in their Bible, Moses and the prophets, and also the apostles after the day of Pentecost. The more you check this teaching, the more you'll be convinced that this is the original doctrine that was set up by the Creator and taught all the way down through your Bible 
right up into what we call the New Covenant. Now, what we're trying to do down here is not trying to impress you with our biblical knowledge or ability to quote scriptures. That's not what this is about. Nobody gets up here with that intent in mind. We're trying to impress upon you the beauty of this teaching as you start to comprehend it, how that it can express and explain all the things that we read about in that Bible, questions that men have had for ages about who we are, where did we come from, why do we exist, uh, all of these sorts of things are going to be explained through this teaching. Now, Steve had just got done expressing uh, something about spirit. And last night, our scripture reading was John, the fourth chapter, and I'll try to tie that in uh, right with the scripture reading from tonight. Uh, let's just go over there back. I'm going to go back to last night's scripture. Uh, I want to pick it up. Uh, hang on for a minute. I'm going to go over there with you. And let's see. I want to go down to, this is the Messiah coming to a woman at a well who was a Samaritan. Let me have you start around. I don't want to get into all everything, but here's what we're going to do. Uh, let's see here. Start at 9. John 4 and 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now let me tell you what the Samaritans were, first of all. The Samaritans were, were uh, Israelites that were of the ten tribes that became disunited uh, after and during the uh, reign of Solomon, that Yahweh rent the kingdom because of Solomon worshiping idols. And there were two kingdoms. There was the kingdom of Judea, the Jews, and Benjamin, as it was already expressed to you, and then the ten other tribes. Now, by the time we get down to Yahshua the Messiah, the Jews, which are descendants of Judah, and Benjamin, the, Be the tribe of Benjamin, uh, inhabited the area that we call the land of Moriah or Jerusalem and so on. And the Samaritans were uh, in a different area of the uh, uh, country that we call Israel or Canaan's land. And typically the Jews wouldn't even talk. They wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan. That's how bitter the split was. And, of course, you already know that Yahshua told a parable about a man that was robbed and beaten up and thrown into a ditch. And a Samaritan came by and saw this Jew that had been beaten up and robbed and took pity upon him and uh, uh, had him, got him uh, to a place where he could be taken care of and, uh, and even paid for his care. And uh, Yahshua they, uh, explained to them that, you know, uh, that this man that we consider a Samaritan is a brother. It is one of the brethren. And so what I want you to realize, this woman that is there at the well, 
they're at the well of Jacob. Now, Jacob was the father of the whole nation of Israel, all of the tribes. And he was the one that came down out of the land of Canaan uh, to have food and uh, went down into the land of Egypt. I'm talking about Jacob after his son Joseph had become ruler of Egypt, essentially ruler of Egypt. And we know later they were going to return back to that land because Yahweh set that whole thing up uh, in his purpose to have the, 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 the uh, famine come upon the land of Egypt to draw all of those, the whole nation of Israel out of that area of Canaan's land and put them down into captivity. Only later to deliver them from that captivity and bring them right back to where they started. Now, what we have to understand is that that nation was unified and then it became split. So here's a woman that's an Israelite, but living in the area of Samaria, known as a Samaritan. Go ahead and read. Verse 10. Yahshua answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of Yahweh, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now listen, I want you to understand what Yash was doing here. See, uh, wait, well, I have to lay something in here to make this really uh, have more significance. I want you to go to Jeremiah 31.31 for a minute, please. Now, while, she's, while they're getting that, let me just lay this little piece of foundation. When the covenant was given from Mount Sinai, and Yahweh spoke in those laws, that was spoken and given to the entire nation of Israel, not just to the Jews or to Judah. It was to the whole nation. And they all kept the Passover. They all uh, celebrated those various feast days and holy days that Yahweh set up under the law. Now, we also know that the entire nation of Israel was not able to perform or to keep the things in the law that they swore to. They all broke the commandments of Yahweh, and they all sinned. Now, in Jeremiah 31, 31, this is after the time that the nation had now been split into two separate parts, Judah and the other ten tribes. Now go ahead and start reading there, Jeremiah 31, 31. 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now that's why he's saying that he's going to make a new covenant with both the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which is telling you that the Israelites are going to be recipients of this new covenant right along with the house of Judah. Read. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saying None Yahweh. of them could keep it. None of them. None of the twelve tribes could keep that covenant. Read. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith Yahweh. Now watch. Watch what he said here. Now this is a very significant point. He said, now he said 
but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. He never mentioned Judah. Now one could inaccurately assume that Judah did not become recipients of the new covenant. We would think, well, he didn't mention the house of Judah. He's going to make it with the house of Israel. And if one were not knowledgeable of the purpose, they would also assume that that means the only, those ten tribes that are in the land of Samaria. But that's not accurate at all. Neither part of that. When, Yah, when Yahweh said, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, read... After those days, saith Yahweh, I will After those days. Now watch. What were the days that he was talking about? Now, it tells you in Isaiah that the end is declared from the beginning. Now, when we look at the end of the covenant from Mount Sinai that was given to the whole nation, we have to go back to how it began. Well, what happened is when the Israelites were in captivity down there in the land of Egypt, Yahweh sent in a plague called the plague of the death of the firstborn. And it would pass over their houses, this angel, and would kill all that were firstborn. Now that's why they had to have that supper. They had to have a lamb. That will, that's what was on the menu. They had to take the blood of that lamb and put it around the inside of their door uh, at four points. And they had to eat the lamb, and the lamb had to be in them. Now what that shows you is, is that that death of the lamb was a significant point in the uh, delivery of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Because there would have been no delivery if Yahweh hadn't given them that supper. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, Yahweh already declared to Moses to go down and tell Pharaoh to let Israel... My son, go, and Yahweh said, tell Pharaoh to let Israel, my son, even my firstborn, to go, let them go so that they may come and worship me. So Yahweh basically set up and called the whole nation of Israel back then his firstborn son. Now when he did that, that was before the plagues came in. Now when the tenth plague comes in, and it's the plague of the death of the firstborn. Since the whole nation was declared by Yahweh to be his firstborn son, it would have necessitated the death angel to kill all of the Israelites as well. The whole nation. But Yahweh had planned a way to save those that son from that sure death. And what he, they, had, they had to do is they had to take that lamb and they had to have that supper. That supper was significant because they had to have the lamb in them and they were saved by the blood of the lamb on that door and that lamb then being in them. When you eat something, it goes inside of you. Now that supper, that lamb and that blood was their salvation down there from the death that was coming upon the lamb by the, de the, the, the death angel. Now we know then that that is the beginning of Yahweh's delivery. So what we're going to find out is when that supper was eaten, they were told to eat it with their staffs in their hand and their shoes shod, 
to get be ready to leave the land of Egypt. And that night they left. And listen, you'll find out that it was a three-day journey from where they were in Goshen till they came to the waters of the Red Sea and then went through the divided waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness. It was a three-day journey into the wilderness. From there, it was another 47 days till they came to Mount Sinai. Then Yahweh told Moses to have the Israelites take three days to clean up and he would speak to them. So on the 53rd day after the death of the Lamb, Yahweh spoke in that covenant from Mount Sinai. Now the new covenant can't come in until the first covenant is fulfilled or ended or moved out of the way. So when the Messiah comes in, John the Baptist called him. He said, after he baptized him and saw him the next day, he said, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh that cometh to take away the sins of the world. Uh, and that was in John 1.29. Now, Yahshua was being declared right from the beginning of his ministry to be the Lamb. Now, we know then, since the, the lamb, he's now declared to be the Lamb, he's got to fulfill that Lamb back there that Moses wrote about that became the salvation of the Jews back there. The whole nation, Israel and Judah, were together then. If the lamb saved the whole nation there, then it would take the sacrifice of this lamb and the blood of that lamb, and listen to what I'm about to say, and that lamb being put within you to prevent you from being destroyed by death. Now what you're going to find out is when Yahshua was put on that cross, Three days later, he rose from that tomb. He rose on the third day. He tarried on earth for 40 more days after his resurrection. And then he told the apostles to, for them to wait or tarry on high for the, coming, for the, uh, for the day of Pentecost or the Holy Spirit. And that was 10 days later after his ascension. So the day of Pentecost, when it came in, was actually 53 days after the death of Yahshua the Messiah on that cross. Just as the covenant came in 53 days back there at the mountain after the death of the Lamb down in Egypt. Now then what we see by this is, is that the new covenant is now ready to be uh, brought in on that day of Pentecost. Because Yahshua has now fulfilled or ended the first covenant from Mount Sinai. Now once he does that, what he's going to do is he is going to reunite the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah into one nation. What you're going to find out is on the day of Pentecost, all of the Israelites, both uh, tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and the other ten tribes, celebrated this day of Pentecost. It was a feast day set up back under the law that is written about in the book of Leviticus. So when Peter came out of that room after he received the Holy Spirit, the apostles came out and Peter began to preach or to speak or to prophesy. There were Israelites, Jews, all coming into Jerusalem 
to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost so that when Peter spoke, it united them now under the new covenant. So Israel was one nation under Yahshua the Messiah at the day of Pentecost. They were no longer divided. There was no longer any separation in the purpose between Judah and the other ten tribes. So in Jeremiah, when he said, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, that's because in the purpose he had already set up for them to be united again, and they were no longer two separate nations. And so what we've got then is Yahshua is bringing together that which was divided back there under the Mosaic law. But he's not done there. Because at the time of Abraham, Yahweh brought in another separation. And that separation was between the Hebrew and the Gentiles, or those that were not Hebrew. Those Hebrews all were circumcised according to the commandment that Yahweh gave to Abraham under the Abrahamic dispensation. And that is that the foreskin be cut, and that uh, sanctified them or differentiated them from the rest of the world. So we now have a separation between Hebrews and Gentiles. We say Jew and Gentile only because we in modern times have collectively called the entire nation of Israel Jews. Uh, but correctly, back at that time, they were known as Hebrews. Now, we have that separation that took place. We also have another separation that we have to account for. That was at the Tower of Babel. Now, if you remember, when Yahweh brought the flood in, there were eight members that were in that ark of Noah and his family. Once the ark settles and they come out of that ark, we're going to have lineages and nations that are going to rise right from those sons of Noah that came out of that ark of the covenant, I mean ark of Noah there after the flood. Now what Yahweh did is, you remember at the Tower of Babel, he confused the tongues so that they were all separated because they could only communicate with those that spoke the same language they did. So Yahweh divided mankind right there by confusing those tongues. So what we see is he's got he's dividing all the way down through. And he's got to bring that back into one. Now, I could also take it back another step. Adam and Eve is another division. Yahweh divided the woman from the man. The woman represents all of mankind. All of mankind had its origin in Eve. I remember a few years back, geneticists were trying to trace back the lineage of humankind, and they traced it back to one common source that they uh, referred to it as Eve. Now, what I want you to know is this, that Dr. Kinley had made a statement that when the woman was within Adam, within the man, she was safe. But once she was taken out, she fell prey to the devil where she was deceived there at the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Doc said this, to fix the problem, we have to get the woman back in the man. 
Now, we got a division with Adam and Eve. We got a division at the Tower of Babel with all of mankind. We got a division between Hebrews and Gentiles. Then we have a division in the nation of Israel between ten tribes and two tribes. All of this is going to be reconciled in Yahshua the Messiah. Because Yahshua is not just the Savior of those that are descendants of Judah. He's the Savior of the world, ladies and gentlemen. And in, in John 3.16, John writes that uh, Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He loved the world. On the day of Pentecost, Yahshua brought back into unification the Jews and the ten tribes into one nation now of Israel. Seven years later, he's bringing back into unification the differentiation of Jew and Gentile, or Hebrew and Gentile, and making us all one in Yahshua the Messiah when the Spirit was given to the Gentiles seven years after the day of Pentecost. We often call it the Jews' Pentecost and the Gentile Pentecost, but the reality is there was one Pentecost on that, that, that first day, but there were different times when certain people were given the Holy Spirit. The Jews first, then later to the Gentiles. Now, he's brought back into unity now all of these factions. He's bringing all of mankind back into unity of the Spirit. And he's also putting the woman back in the man. You say, well, how did he do that? The true reality of Adam and Eve uh, let's go back over to uh, let's go back over to uh, Genesis one. I want to say it's around twenty six, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go over there too, just to see if I called it right. Let's start at one twenty six. Genesis one and twenty six. And Yahweh said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So Yahweh created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them. Now watch, if he made the man in his own image, when he created Adam, where was Eve? Well, we all know the answer to that. Eve was within Adam. Well, that shows you that when Yahweh formed Elohim, Elohim was the uh, uh, prototype, I'll use that terminology for lack of a better word, of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve was a natural example pointing to Elohim. Elohim was both male and female, just as Adam was both male and female. If the bride of Adam was within him, and you remember that Yahweh paraded all the animals in front of Adam to see what he would call them, and it states after he did that and he named all those animals, it says, yet there was not a helpmeet that was sufficient for Adam. Now, that means simply this, that Adam was given a commandment also to be fruitful and multiply. But none of those animals 
He couldn't multiply or have offspring with any of the animals. The only place that Adam could turn, or the only way Yahweh could have Adam be fruitful and multiply to keep that commandment, is he had to take the woman out of Adam. And she became then what was necessary for him to be able to fulfill the commandment. Now that sets up a, that's a type and a shadow, an allegory of something. Well, Yahweh Elohim is both male and female. All souls were contained in him from the beginning of the purpose, when, he, when Elohim was formed. And those souls are going to have to be brought out of him, and he's going to have to then, uh, 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 those souls are going to be put into the angels and also into mankind. And those souls represent his bride. And the, that bride is going to have to be eventually, see, a recipient of his spirit and then be put back in him. Now, he's going to separate, then he's going to unify. And so what I want you to know is when Doc said the way we fix the problem when Eve was subject to being deceived by the devil, the only way to fix that, he said, is to get the woman back in the man. Now, every one of us have been deceived by the mystery of iniquity also, whether you realize it or not. Now, to fix that problem, the only way we can do that is we have to get you back in Yahshua. And we have to get Yahshua in you. So Yahshua is in you, and you are in him under this new covenant. You are being unified with the, the, the uh, going back to the source from which you came. You came out of that body. You're going to have to go back into that body. You're going to be a member of his body. Now, what his body is, is the congregation of souls. That's the church. That's his bride. That's the assembly. And you're being made a member of that assembly. And you are going to be a recipient of his name and also of his divine nature. Now, I want to show you something. that uh, I recently uh, was laying in bed one morning, and I was thinking about something uh, that I had dreamt, actually, and Yahshua was just showing me some things, and i just see if I can share this with you. Now, when we look at a soul, a soul, ladies and gentlemen, is made from the source, the same source that everything else is made from, including Elohim himself, and that is pure spirit. Now, we know that pure spirit is divine attributes. So that when your soul was made, it was made directly from that spirit of Yahweh, which, and it is the, the substance by which you exist, or what you are. And the divine attributes are really what spirit is. Now, let me show you what the problem was. The problem is that your soul is just like what I'm going to use an analogy. It has divine intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength, but it's devoid of something at the same time. You say, what is that? Well, let's say for an example, you wanted to go out and you wanted to bake a wonderful cake that you really, uh, uh, maybe it was a special wedding cake or whatever it was, and you got the, you know, you, you wanted to put that together, and you said, well, 
Somebody said the cake has flour, it has eggs, it has butter, it has milk, it has vanilla, whatever the case might be. And all the ingredients are put on a table. Now that's the cake that's on the table. The very ingredients that make the cake are laid up there on the table. But it's not acceptable in that form. Why? We're missing something. In order to make a cake, you have to have a recipe. Now, what is a recipe? A recipe is recipe is not just the ingredients, the, the what I'll call the raw ingredients of the cake, but it is telling you how much of each one of those uh, uh, ingredients are to be used in the cake and how it is to be measured, mixed, how it's going to be baked, all the stuff that is, goes into making a cake. You need a recipe. Now, when you were born into this world, you were born into the world with a soul that has divine intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength without shape and form. You got That's the primordial ingredients of what your soul is. But you need a recipe. Now, we all know, we've heard this when we come down to this school, that a recipe is a pattern. It's simply a pattern of how to make this cake. Now, what you need to do is have the pattern put right within your soul, and then a master chef to use the right ingredients and measures of all these attributes mixed together in the proper proportions that will bring about the result of that cake that you so love. So you are devoid of Yahshua or the recipe when you're born into the world. Oh yeah, you are Yahweh, and oh, Dr. Kinley said so is Fido in the backyard. What you don't have is the recipe. Now when you come into class, and the gospel is being preached, and the Holy Spirit enters into your soul, it is a recipe unto salvation. It is a recipe that will cause the soul to be converted and changed using your ingredients along with the pattern by the master chef or baker, however you want to look at it, putting you in a configuration that is pleasing to the Father. That's why we need class. That's why we need Yahshua. We don't, we're not complete as we are when we're born into this world with a soul. We need more than just what we have, and Yahweh set it up that way. Go on over to Romans, the 8th chapter. Uh, let me see, Romans 8. And I'm going to try, uh, let's try 18. Let's see, I don't know if that's it or not. Well, we're close. Let's go with uh, uh, nine. Start at nineteen. Romans eight nineteen. Romans eight and nineteen. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of Yahweh. Now we have an expectation, an earnest expectation of the creature. Keep reading twenty. 
For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Now, when we were created, we were made subject to vanity. Vanity means being devoid of something or empty. Vain means empty. Something's missing. What's missing with all of us is the recipe. Now, I'll use the exact same example in, in, in real, a real example that we can all relate to. You are an ovum before you're born. That ovum does not have the recipe to build a body yet. It needs something more than just what it has. What it has is half the chromosomes. And it needs the male sperm to impregnate the egg to finish giving it the instructions of how to form a body. And once that impregnation and that quickening takes place by that, by that process of conception, then the body knows by the recipe how much of this tissue to make, how much of this chemical we need in the body, how much everything is now the pattern is unfolding, and the pattern, the, 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 the DNA of the sperm is furnishing the egg with the complete instructions now of how to make this body. And when that happens, we have a new creature. We don't give birth to a nine-pound ovum. We give birth now to a new creature, a child, that is expressing characteristics both of the mother and the father. Now, when you come into class, you have intelligence. You have some knowledge. You might even have some wisdom. You love your kids. You love this one and that one. Uh, certain instances, you might be strong and have certain stabilities and all this stuff. But you're still missing something. When the Holy Spirit enters into you, he is now opening up to you divine intelligence and wisdom and giving your soul instructions to become a new creature, to form for your soul to take on a form, and that's the conversion process, for you to take on a form that reflects Yahweh himself, that makes you acceptable to him, to make you a bride and yet the husband is dwelling in you. And see, to me, this is a beautiful thing what Yahshua's doing here. He's showing why Yahshua told Nicodemus, he said, you have to be born again. In fact, let's run over to the third chapter of John, and let's pick up that conversation with Nicodemus. I think it's, you could start at 3 and 1, if I'm not mistaken. John 3 and 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Mm -hmm. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except Yahweh be with him. Go ahead. Yahshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Now listen, listen to me. Listen, he said, unless you become born again. Now, Dr. Kinley said you were born from beneath, 
and you also have to be born from above. He also said this, that the way you're born from beneath is the same way you're born from above. Get the green chart up for just a minute, please. Now, that baby, the way it's born from beneath, is the same way we're going to be born from above. What we have to have is, first of all, uh, and I'll just put it, put it to you simply, uh, if you, and this is something that's very basic, fundamental, but the male has been furnished with two testes. The word testy comes from the word witnesses. So that the instructions for the ovum to form a child has to come from witnesses. It cannot come just out of thin air. It's got to come from the witnesses. Now what happened is when that sperm enters that egg and it penetrates through a hard protective cover called the, uh, the, the, uh, the corona and breaks through that, when you walk in the door, whether you know it or not, you have a hard head and a hard heart. That's why in our scripture we read tonight that Yahweh will take away the stony heart. Now, what the sperm represents is a witness. It comes from the, the testes, which means testimony or witness, and it is an individual witness. And it's carrying a packet of information. And when it is able to break through that hard protective covering, and penetrate in there, did you know that a conception scientist, there's actually a, a, a video of this, a light flash takes place. It's a flash, it's an electrical uh, uh, release of energy that you can, I've actually seen the video where there's a flash of light. And that shows you that when you come to class and a person has a knowledge and understanding of Yahweh's purpose, and is speaking by the Holy Spirit, speaking through them. They are fertile with witnesses and information. And when it's expressed in such a way that it breaks through your hard head, I'm talking about when you first walk in the door, or through your uh, hard heart, there is going to be a flash. I mean, just like when the high priest went in on the Day of Atonement, he sprinkled blood at the Ark of the Covenant, and we had what we call a flash of the Shekinah. There is a quickening that takes place, and your ovum, which now has come out of the ovary body and is in the fallopian tubes, and if it is not impregnated within a window of opportunity that, that can no longer be impregnated, it will be cast out of the body. So it's on a death trip unless it is it is it comes in contact with that sperm at the right prescribed time and causes then that impregnation of information and a flash to take place that is salvation to that ovum. That ovum now can form a body. Now, all of that is from beneath. Now, there's going to the same principle has to happen from above. Dr. Kinley said the way you're born, above, uh, born again is the same way you're born from beneath you. You're going to be born from above. You come into class, and somebody is preaching this gospel, and those witnesses are presented to you, and Yahweh willing, just like we say when a person wants, people want to have a child, if, if God willing, they, all, they always say, that I, 
so I can have a family. Well, if Yahweh willing, he's going to cause those witnesses to have an impact in you for you to see the light. That's that flash of light. It will penetrate down into your soul. And right there is the beginning of your development in the spirit. Just like that ovum now is going to start dividing. And as it divides, organs and everything else and tissues are going to form. Well, that's what's going to happen as you come into class. And listen, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Now, why is that? We think, well, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to be in the kingdom of Jesus. Well, first of all, the kingdom does not come with observation. That's what Yahshua told them. And Paul said the kingdom is not meats and drinks, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. Now that means that you, the woman, your soul is feminine, has to be put in Yahshua. That's the kingdom. But unless you be are impregnated with the Holy Spirit, you cannot get in there. What makes you a member of that body of Yahshua or a congregant or, if you will, a member of the assembly, is that that spirit abides within you. That's why Paul said that your only hope of glory is that Yahshua be in you. And guess what? That puts you then in him. And so this process of being born again takes place. Every time we come to class, we are hoping that someone's heart and mind is quickened. That somebody that walks in for the first time might get their eyes open to this thing and be able to see the things of Yahweh. And truthfully, what do we do as ministers? We're like the, the doctor. We're there for the delivery. We're there to help them along and get them to uh, grow in the spirit and all those kind of things. Now, keep reading over there in John where you were, what he said to Nicodemus. John 3 and 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, we also understand this. We also understand this. We understand the difference between a carnal mind and a spiritual mind. And we also have been taught in here that the spiritual mind cannot, does not actually come into play until the day of Pentecost. Nobody had a spiritual mind before the day of Pentecost. The only one that was spiritually minded was Yahshua. He's the only one that knew the Father. And Yahweh is spirit. On the day of Pentecost, that's when the carnal mind was shed, and the spiritual mind then emerged. And what I want you to realize is when Yahshua makes the statement to Nicodemus, Nicodemus cannot do anything other than try to envision a carnal, natural, physical birth. And he thinks that Yahshua's talking about you going back in your mother's womb and being born physically again like you were when you were a baby. Keep reading. Verse 5. Yahshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. Now here's what the water is. It's not baptism. As the Christianity perpetuates, I'm talking about. Really, I remember uh, being taught when I first came into class that when that baby is in the womb, 
Can you can you focus and blow up a little bit more of that baby there on the green chart? Now it's encased in the bag of water. To show that when the child is going to be born, there has to be a show, a breaking of the bag of water. And that plus and, and that uh, uh, you know that amniotic fluid has to come forth. And amnion means little lamb. Now that child is baptized in the womb. Now the placenta means flat cake. He's also partaking of that unleavened bread in a type. And that child is being born by blood, water, and spirit. Blood from the umbilical cord is fed to the child. It's encased in the bag of water. When the, when the mother is about to give birth, we have what is known as a bloody show, where that in the cervix there's a plug there that comes down and it becomes it's bloody because the dilation process takes place, and then the bag of waters breaks, and we got blood and water. When that child comes forth, what you're wanting to see happen is that it takes a breath of air, a breath of life. And breath, the word spiritus, the, the proper medical term for breathing is inspiration, which comes from the Latin, the taking in of the spirit. Inspiration means the taking in of the spirit. So we got a child born by blood, water, and spirit according to the pattern. Now in the holy place, we know there was 40 feet that had to be accomplished when the priest went in there daily to tend to the tabernacle. So the child is born by blood, water, spirit, and full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks to show it blood, water, spirit, 40. I remember ministers getting up when I first came to the school and said, now if you don't want to believe what's being said down here, he said, then deny your own self, because we would show how the pattern explains the way a child is born into this world, and you cannot deny it. When that child's head is in the proper position, they call it a proper attitude, where the head is bowed. And when the child starts to come through an area of the, uh, of the uterus, there are two on the sides of the universe, areas that they refer to it as the arbor vitae. Now, arbor means tree, and vitae means life. That child is born by blood, water, spirit, 40, and right through the tree of life. And that's in your physical makeup of your own human body. And when the scientists named all these things, that fit right according to Yahweh's purpose. Many of these scientists weren't thinking about the Bible or God or any of that kind of stuff. They just thought they were, you know, interesting ways to, to, to name these things. Well, Yahweh's influencing them because it witnesses to the authenticity of this pattern and of this profound teaching. And you can't deny it. You can't shrug it off and say, oh, that's just a coincidence. There's too many coincidences. Now, you were born from beneath that way. You've got to be born from above by water and by spirit. Now, the water isn't the amniotic fluid in this case. The reality of it is you have to be born by living water. That Yahshua told the woman at the well, we didn't finish that, where he talked about that he would give her living water. Living water is not physical. Living water is the gospel being preached. And that's why in John 7, 38, Yahshua said, He that believes on me as the scriptures have said, 
out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And when he sent the apostles out, they were baptizing people in living water, not physical H2O. And they were being immersed in a spiritual understanding of their creator. You have to be born by water and spirit. Living water and by the Holy Spirit elevating and revealing his purpose and plan to you. That's how you're born again. And it's by the foolishness of preaching. Keep reading there where you were with Nicodemus. This is Bill Yasha speaking. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it comes, and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And that's what happens when you're born from the Spirit to the world. They don't know where you get the stuff from and where it's supposed to be leading them to. See, you are now living in a different reality than the rest of the world, whether you realize that or not. Once you walk with the ever-consciousness, the ever-conscious realization and presence of Yahweh, you are walking in a different realm than the rest of the world. And, you know, all I can tell you is that these things that Yahweh has set for types and shadows uh, in the world that we're going to with this child and this birth are incontrovertible evidence that you can't argue with it. You cannot dispute it. And that's the way you are being born right down at class. Now, let's go back, because I only got five minutes. Let's go back over to Ezekiel 36, 24. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries. Now, listen, the heathen are those that know not Yahweh and do not call upon his name. Guess what? When I was a Catholic, I was a heathen, by that definition. We're all coming out of the heathen. The heathens are those that don't have any spiritual knowledge and understanding of Yahweh, don't know his name. And I'm not talking about just no Y-A-H-W-E-H, but they do not really understand the real reality of the name Yahweh and Yahshua. We are being brought out of the world, ladies and gentlemen. Read. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. And the land then that you're being brought into is not the United States, not uh, the land of Israel, like people want to go and live there. The whole, they call it the Holy Land. Because here's the truth. The real Holy Land is you dwelling in Yahshua the Messiah. Doc once made a statement to me. He said that Abraham walked the length and the breadth of Canaan's land, but never once set foot in the promised land. At first, I didn't know what he was saying, and I challenged him on it. And as I was going to look it up in the scriptures to show him, which is what he asked me to do, it hit me what he was talking about. And before I could even say to him, I, okay, Doc, I see now where you're going, he said, now did you catch it, Dennis? In other words, he gave it to me while I was looking it up. And I understood that the real promised land is your soul dwelling in Yahshua the Messiah and being a member of his congregation, a member of his body. That's the promised land, ladies and gentlemen. 
And that's the land that he's going to gather us all into. Keep reading. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. Not talking about H2O that has been distilled or put through triple osmosis or whatever you want to say. That water, that clean water, is living water. It's the gospel according to the scriptures. Read. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. We're going to get rid of all your theories, your concepts, your opinions, your hard-headedness, your uh, refusal to, uh, your pride, your refusal to accept correction. All that's going to be done away with as you come into this school, and the more you learn, the more it will humble you and make you understand that Yahweh saves you by grace, not anything that makes you worthy of it. Keep reading. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. I'm going to give you a new heart. And we that's our problem. We walk in the door. We got the wrong heart. Read. And a new spirit will I put within you. Read. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I take that you- hard heart out of there that doesn't love the truth and doesn't isn't uh, uh, susceptible to correction, read. Take away the stony heart and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I'll give you a tender heart, a heart that loves the truth and then will learn to love our creator and accept chastisement or correction, read. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. Now he's going to put that spirit of Yahshua right within you. And guess what? He will cause you to walk in his statutes. Read. Do you shall keep my judgments and you're do them. You're going to do it. Once that spirit's in you, you're on autopilot. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you through your conscience of what is acceptable. And your new, soft, tender heart with an attitude to accept chastisement and correction will then cause you to do that which is right in the sight of your creator because you love him and that's what it's all about ladies and gentlemen it's coming to know Yahshua and Yahweh and loving them with all your heart with all your spirit with all your might and then learning to love the brethren that we also see are growing in the with the Holy Spirit nobody's perfect yet we all have to learn how to be tolerant of one another forgiving long-suffering and patient and recognize that everybody's going to grow according to Yahweh's divine purpose and plan of, of where he wants them to be at a certain point. Now, I've run out of time. I hope something I said made sense. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to express these things. All I can say to everyone is stay in class because you're going to need everything that you can down here at these last days. And all I can say is uh, peace in Yahshua. And hallelujah to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Now we'll be dismissed with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 See you guys next week.